Hey, Horace, give us three shots of your best bourbon. And have that Russian waiter I like bring it over. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Russian Tim, and I'm the host of weekly punk rock radio show called Rocket from Russia. Tune into CITR 101.9 FM every Thursday from 10 to 11 a.m. And you can also find the podcast on CITR.ca, iTunes, and my blog, rocketfromrussia.tumblr.com. Hey, this is Joey Cape from Lagwagon, and you're listening to The Rocket from Russia on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver, BC, Canada. You really want me to say British Columbia, Canada? (laughs) I think think they're going to know where it's from, right, if I say Vancouver? Would it make you feel much better if you were you against the world? If you were an alien and if it were But you will isolate, alienate. No one can appreciate the poor misunderstood. Can you see that? I don't care Does it make you feel much better when you are an alien? Cause you will isolate, alienate, no one can appreciate the poor misunderstood, can you see that? Hello, 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 you are listening to the radio station CITR, and this is weekly punk rock radio, Rocket from Russia, and welcome to the episode number 100 of Rocket from Russia, yes, that's right, today is 100th anniversary of this particular radio program, punk rock weekly punk rock radio show called Rocket from Russia. My name is Russian Tim and I'm very excited for the anniversary 100th show because I have a pretty good episode to match the big uh, number of uh, the uh, episodes I've done in the past um, few years. Uh, today in the show, I will play you my interview with two amazing people who played on Tuesday in Vancouver. Uh, it was an interview with two people. Uh, one, uh, the first person is Joey Cape of the band called Lagwagon. Uh, um, and yes, you you know you know who he is, and Chris Cresswell, who is the singer of Canadian band called the Flatliners from Ontario. You also know them as well. Uh, on Tuesday, they played at the Biltmore Cabaret. Joey Cape started a brand new record label called One Week Records, and we will talk closely about this uh, record label. And that was uh, that tour was a celebration uh, of uh, that record label. So there was uh, there for well, there were four artists performing. All of them released albums on uh, one. Big Records, and this is what we talked to uh, Joey and uh, Chris because he was also uh, very involved in the process as he recorded the album for uh, One Big Records. Uh, it ended up being an extremely 
amazing conversation for me. For me, it was amazing. I'm not sure if it will be interesting uh, for you to listen to the whole thing, but for me, it was to talk into... Uh, I would say, like, one person is definitely Hero Joey Cape is, uh, like, Wagon one of my favorite uh, band. Uh, Chris is still... Uh, he, uh, he, he is a good friend, and I've known him for um, many years now, and he's also... I love the band. Um, I love Flatline. is probably the, my favorite Canadian band. So it was awesome to talk to them. Uh, ended up a very long conversation, so with some tears, I had to cut off certain parts, but what I'll do, I'll post on my blog, rocketfromrussia.tumblr.com, uh, the whole conversation. But for now, let's start with the first part of our conversation, where Joey talked a little bit about his brand new uh, record label, uh, One Week Records. This is 100th episode of Rocket from Russia, and this is my interview with Joey Cape and Chris Creswell. Congratulations on your brand new record label, One Week Records, which already has a few releases under its belt. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, as a fan of your music, I was really excited about the concept that the people come to your house, they stay for one week, they record the record, and to me the role of the artist is very understandable. Uh, they have to come up with some songs and record with your help. What is your role as a producer, as a creator of the project? Well, it's a very tight schedule. It's a short amount of time to make a 10-song record. So, by definition, we have very little time to actually do a whole lot of production, you know, as far as sounds and songwriting changes once we're recording. So, I have been trying to do a lot of pre-production, you know, before we start recording, maybe receiving songs from the people that they're going to record, helping choose the best songs to make a, the best record we can, and making comments. The job of a producer, I think, traditionally is to have ideas, composition ideas, and arrangement ideas, um, and that's how it used to be. And I think that the artist's job is to take or leave it, if they, if they can listen or not. You know, it's up to them. They ultimately, it's their songs, you know. But um, I like music a lot, so I always have lots of comments. I'm a very opinionated person, <laughs> for better or worse. And I think with the producing, it, it works quite well. Um, the only thing that I, I do ask usually is if, if I have an idea that I feel really strongly about, that we try it. That's sort of like a rule that I try to make in the beginning. Can we just try the idea if I'm very passionate about it? Most of those things that I say to someone that comes and records with me are, you know, just, just pops into my head, I hear something, you know? And if they're not feeling it, they, then we shouldn't do it because, it's, it, you know, I don't want to change who they are. But the other, um, and I'll call this kind of the soul of the, uh, of the job, I think they're at the center... The most important thing that a producer should do is try to, you know, I'm, I'm not young. I've been listening to music my whole life, and I, I'm a great appreciator of pop music. So I think trying to find that thing that the person you're recording has that is their own. In other words, almost everybody that writes songs, it's easy for me to find elements where they're, they're derivative, and and it's not always negative. Sometimes the the you know derived material is great, but what's more difficult is uh, to kind of center in on that on the the things that that artist has that are individual and unique. And those things are the things that I try to figure out before I record them, and then I push on them. Like I'll say, you know, you've got this great thing that I haven't heard let's see how much of that we can bring out of your record because that's going to make it a, a, a better record especially for listeners Chris, you through the most of your career you worked with Steve Ryzen who produced all Flatliners records mm. and that was a completely different experience for you working with Joey mm. what were the, those things that Joey brought to the table, the things he asked you to try and those good things which he heard in you in pre-production and then asked you to um, we that's a good question uh, I guess with Steve we've always had a great relationship with him on a lot of different levels I mean especially in the studio just because we know each other really well at this point done four albums with him uh, but it's different because he's dealing with so many more people and everyone has an opinion and everyone has gets their input and everyone is playing 
Whereas with this record, it was just Joey and I. So it was way more. I mean, like, and with Flatliners Records, I'm usually present in the studio for almost everything, if the guys want me there or not, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I just like to be there, and I like to know what's going on and, and be a part of the whole process. So, um, but with Joey, it was just it was so one on one that it was it was great because you just we literally we were two guys who are songwriters and guitar players, and have musical minds sitting down figuring this out together, and it was really cool. Um, it was interesting because I think the. The one song I think when I sent you when I sent Joey uh, demos that we ended up changing a lot of was one of the oldest songs I wrote called Stitches and I really loved how it was but I love so much more how it turned out because with Joey's help we we he would have an idea and we would always try it you, you know what I mean even if I didn't know I mean every new idea that you're uh, coming up with for a song that someone wrote two years ago is gonna seem strange maybe at first not bad just a, just a new kind of thing. So uh, that was really exciting because Joey just completely helped that song become so much better in like in just these these beautiful small little ways like to me you know what I mean it was just there are things that I couldn't see you know um, and Steve's done that with the Flatliner songs too of course um, but this was just so much more intimate it was just two people you know working on these ten songs and we did like long days we almost finished it in five days because uh, I think Joey and I work really well together and we just marathoned it and it was great there were definitely days where I think we were both pretty fried mentally and physically you know just exhausted but uh-huh. in that I think in that like desperation almost that that kind of sketchiness of making a record in a week that's when you get some really really awesome like performances and, and really cool ideas because you, you can't you can't you kind of can't try everything you know so you have to at some point figure out how far you want to take it you know, uh, obviously with certain songs you can take a little further. Uh-huh. Certain songs you don't need to take it that far. But it was interesting because I'd never had that s- scenario before with the Flatliners in the studio. We make these big sounding like punk or rock records. You know what I mean? We're like double. We used to like double guitars and double vocals and all this stuff. And Dead Language was the first record we didn't do any of that kind of stuff. Um, so it's always a learning process. But this was far more intricate of a process, you know, because there's not big loud drums or a fuzzy bass or two electric guitars, you know, complementing one another. It's just me and a guitar.
I'll be sitting there with you Beyond the circles underneath my eyes I see you Where my own battle bones Can I reach the telephone I fall in love again Hello, hello, you are listening to the 100th episode number 100 episode of <laughs> Rocket from Russia. Today I'm playing you my interview with Joey Cape and Chris Craswell. Uh, they played a one-week show a couple of days ago at the Beltmore Cabaret. Um, there's lots of uh, parts of interview and I'd rather talk less and uh, let uh, the guys talk uh, in form of an interview. Uh, part two, we discussed the role of a demo in the process of songwriting uh, for Joey and Chris. Joey, the idea of one-week records comes from your long-time love affair with demos. Could you please compare the role of a demo in your songwriting process when you write for Lagwagon and when you write a song just by yourself and it ends up being uh, your own Well, part of the reason that I ended up making an acoustic record the first time I made one was because for maybe even 20 years at that point in my life every song I'd ever written on I'd, I'd, I, every song I'd ever written I'd written with an acoustic accompaniment and it's something that you just get really comfortable with um, and you know I don't play piano so acoustic instrument is for me is an acoustic guitar um, and I think I've probably demoed every song next with the exception of 10 that I've ever written this way most of the time with like a little tiny recorder you know um, and every once in a while when I'm writing a record for Lagwagon I'll be going through endless just me sitting there playing a song going do 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 you know no lyrics and um there's something about those especially when you actually had the lyrics and there's a recording and there's this shorter arrangement um, without all those those heavy dynamics to get in the way of the small dynamics like the the quiet dynamics that kind of make a song have conviction and have power and I think that that's true a lot of times with demo tapes that people make they're made in that way with they're less precious it's like I just want to get this song idea down. So there's and there's that original incarnation of the song that's it's got this first time inspiration inspired inspired sound. And maybe it's in a different key than they record with the band because they need to sing louder, so they bring it up a higher key. And there's just I've there's been a number of times in my life where people I know that are songwriters will give me a batch of songs to listen to and say, what do you think of these songs? I mean, which, which would you pursue if you were me in my band? And you fall in love with them, and then you get the record a year later. And it's cool to hear the songs the other way, but I'm not putting on the record. I'm going to keep listening to those demos. It's so easy to get attached to those demos. I, yeah. I struggle with that all the time. And they're naked. It's, they're yeah. like completely naked and genuine. Because I feel like there's like an urgency in that demo, in a way. Yeah, you know? something that... And it's... Because you just... You're frantically like, oh, I have this idea, I have to get it down before I forget it. You know? And there's this urgency, and that's... It's so... And the first pure, time you it's play awesome. it, it's like you connect to it in a way that yeah. you lose a little of that. Every day that you play a song, you lose a little... And then every once in a while, it gets re, re-fired up. That's what happens when you tour, you know? You... You tiny little increments, but the the main loss of of 
that connection that a songwriter has to a song he writes is the moment that he has to have chemistry with three to four other people in a band. There's, you know, you're not in control of the tempo, the dynamic, the feel, any of that. You can't slow down when it feels right for the emotion. You've got to stay with the band. So the song, it's not that it gets drained of all of its energy. It's just the energy changes drastically to a different kind of energy that isn't from one person. I think the best example would be Am I Still Hateful? That's a really good example. Because the, exactly what you told, the Lagwagon version is so different from your yeah, version. Yeah, and I consider that to be one of the only times where the band failed the song. That's my opinion. I think the song is much better as an acoustic song, and I think it's just because not every time you write a song, everybody in the band gets it. And we didn't get that one. It just didn't... I, I listen to those the Blaze... Feel, the feel was... I listen to the Blaze version, and I think, you know, it's cool, but I think the acoustic version is much more powerful. It's it, The melody comes across better. Yeah. It, it, it got a little... Um, it lost a little bit of life, that song, when it got... When, when it became a band song. punk rock radio show called Rocket from Russia and we just heard Joey Cape that his acoustic version of a song called I Must Be Hateful which was uh, re-recorded 
or maybe just recorded by Lagwagon uh, originally. Yeah, probably uh, on the album called Blaze. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next part. As I said, there's so many. This conversation was so good, and um, I really had to cut a few. Uh, parts uh, from that conversation just to make to or try to fit it in one hour of uh, airtime. So let's hear this is part three of my conversation with Joey Cape and Chris Craswell. Most of the time I just see the versions that the band does as just different, a different kind of powerful. And most of the time I'm very pleased with the way my songs come out with my band. If not, I wouldn't be in the band. I think I, I think I think we both have really good bands, but yes, you do. <laughs> but and I don't think it's you know arrogant or pretentious to say that I wouldn't have stayed with that band for 23 or 5 years 25 years Jesus <laughs> my god I'm fucking old <laughs> shit I don't you mean though because it's true sometimes you know like a band just doesn't kind of get this song maybe I mean that's why I am doing this yeah because there was a point a couple years ago I mean like Joey's the reason that I have an album and I'm playing shows and stuff honestly he, he lit a fire under my ass I didn't know how to be lit I guess he didn't even know how to sing <laughs> or whistle or anything <laughs> <laughs> Those legendary competitions, uh, yeah. huh? <laughs> um, no, I, he he pretty much lit a fire under my ass. I didn't know it needed to be lit. Uh, but a few years ago, when I first started writing songs like Stitches and uh, Meet Me in the Shade, those are like pretty old songs, actually. They've changed over the years, but they're pretty old. And uh, I just never brought them to the band because they were either too, I mean, to, to me, like too cheesy in subject matter to bring to the band. Or they would just have to change a lot to become a Flatliner song. And I felt really weird about it at first, because I would show the guys the songs, and Scott, I showed Scott Stitches one day, and he's like, oh my god, that's, like, he like was a fan of the song, and I was so stoked on that. He's like, we're not touching that one, you keep that one for yourself. I was like, okay, cool, I didn't know, you know, because I'd always just written songs for the band. And it was a cool feeling, you know? Because, I mean, I feel, I feel like if I put some of those songs to a band, like, well, I mean, a punk band, you know, yeah. landscape, it just wouldn't work. But now it's weird because now I write a song and I have to figure out what pile it goes into. Yeah, that's a weird thing. Can I ask a follow-up question? Oh, please do. To him. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you wonder what you know your band has? It's they're unwritten, but there are some unwritten laws yeah. that a band develops, like kind of things that you know that you do and things that you don't do in your band, and that's part of the reason that a song like Stitches might not really work because you know it would have to change to fit the kind of thing that you guys do so well and that's not a bad thing it's not a compromise but have you ever wondered if you just took the version that you did with me right same tempo same feel everything but your whole band played on it don't you ever wonder how great that would sound oh my god I mean of course yeah because I do all the time I really wonder about that yeah like I just I know the guys in my band are good players. Oh yeah. If they and, just and if they just literally together. like went, here's how the song goes, and they the drummer learned it, you know, yeah. whatever he's doing, you know, would you have a different kind of band that was maybe better? Maybe. Yeah. I think I, 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 I think it would depend on how. It, I know. I I've actually thought I about that a lot as well. Band to do it because it's we're in a compromise. But you did the bed loud. Isn't that what happened? This is exactly why I did bad loud and Bad Astronaut and everything that I've done is always sort of like just little I don't see music as a gang thing I don't I think that your your band is a family and you you have to be loyal to them but at the same time music is art so you should be able to try different things and everyone in the band should actually because they'll grow from it but that's exactly what happens with something like Bad Loud and a guy like me I'm not going to try to get my band to do that because they're not going to enjoy it. And they need to be happy. Um, and they might not get it. But uh, so, yeah, go get some other dudes.
You are listening to the record to the radio station CITR weekly punk rock radio show Rocket from Russia episode number 100 and I'm playing you my interview with Joey Cape of Lagwagon and Chris Cresswell of um, uh, for the Flatliners. Uh, in the next part, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the records which uh, Joey Cape produced and we specifically talked about two records: uh, How to Need How to Meet Girls uh, by Nerf Herder and uh, the record by Atari's which uh, is called The Blue Skies Broken Hearts Next. 12 exits. Let's check it out. Uh, this is us talking about those two records and the production. Maybe not. Let's try again. Joe, this yes. is not the first record label you started. I assume when you started the My Records and versus One Week Records, those two records have a com- completely different concepts. Yes, that's true. So I just wanted a little bit talk to, to you about a little bit about the my records and you being a producer and I wanted to bring up a couple of albums which the albums you produced I absolutely love this and this is one of those albums which I wanted to talk to you this is the how to meet girls by nerve herder could you please tell a little bit about your involvement in the process because this is one of my favorite albums of well, all this time is the third thing that I did with them um, the first time I worked with nerve herder was on their first record self-titled record and that was um, really special because it was uh, they were they barely even had demos I mean Perry had you know they had some songs but they didn't really it was like a like clay that was and they were really receptive to all my ideas and we molded that record and and I, I had a lot to do with that record the songs and, and, and the way it came out and of course that's what you want you don't want to feel like when you listen to it like oh cool I really did I had an effect on this um, by the time we did this thing um, it was very different I mean 
Perry really knew who he was as a songwriter. Uh, a lot of these songs, I, I had very little to do with, you know, any big changes that happened. I remember Lamer Than Lame, I think I helped, there was a few parts that we changed to that, like, uh, I want to say maybe the chorus. Um, That song, um, and a few other songs, uh, like the 5,000 Ways to Die, I think I think the intro in that song might have been my idea, but it's so long ago, man, I barely remember, but there really were like, I mean, you know, all these guys, Perry in particular, and Steve, are really good friends of mine, they're really smart, intelligent people, and Perry is a genius songwriter, I mean, he's a genius, like, he doesn't need my help. So by this point, he had a lot of confidence, and I, I think it was mostly about sounds. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't know. I This is a great record. Pantera Fans in Love was written by Dave Ehrlich, and he had another band called Ten Speed Summer, and he had just joined the band around this time. And I knew the song Pantera Fans in Love, and I was like, I kind of think you need to do that on the Nerf Herder record. And that, that might have been hard for him because he had to let Perry sing it or something. I'm just looking at the titles and remembering things. Um, but uh, I feel that the first album that I did with him was more of a collab- production. collaborative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and therefore, maybe I feel a little more, you know, proud of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just meant, like, that was just the reason I brought this up, because it was, yeah. like, one of my favorite albums. It's a great record. I mean, that, they're so good, that band. I like every record they've made. I think they're all really good. There's always something on there that's just kind of genius. Perry is amazing. And speaking of demos, you talked about 5,000 Ways to Die, The Fat. Remember they released the retrospective? Yeah. And I knew the song for forever, and then released the demo. Oh, yeah. And then I lost it. <laughs> nice. Demo was the... Yeah, it's good. Was the hit. Yeah. Well, you know... That's the demo thing. Yeah. You know, maybe it's a little rawer and it's not quite as tight. And, exactly. And, but there's like that band just first playing it. It's extremely human. It's superhuman, yeah. And the speed of the song is often right on the money because the band is feeling it for the first time. So it's like the drummer's like, yeah, I'm getting this. And then everybody's just, it's like it's got a thing. And then on the album, it could be like, two BPM like two, two beats per minute change maybe three and it's sluggish if it's slower or feels a little bit like the vocal melody gets a little restrained or something it's very odd there must be five thousand ways to die And each one ends the same way if you try Your friends all stand around While they dump you in the ground And the people who loved you will ask why Oh why, oh why, oh why And the bastard you hated the most Will Hey! 
but that was often the case with bands that I worked with over and over again. The first Atari's record I did, I think, came out really well too. And I think that Blue yeah, yeah, I feel like that record is the best record that that they made, and I'm not afraid to say that because. Chris had a huge well of songs, you know, mm-hmm. and we were able to really fine tune it, and and they were, re- I think, quite receptive in the studio to my production ideas, and um, and that helps a man a lot. They did well fast, and then when we went in to do the next one, I slept on the couch most of the time we were recording. Which one for? For uh, yeah, I just was in the, the blasting room. I was just on. There's a back sofa, and I was just on it, like listening and kind of in and out of sleep. And the engineer every once in a while, I go, "What did you think?" And I go, "Eh." <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mind telling the story because Chris wouldn't mind either. But there was this point um, where he was doing a, a vocal, and it might have been like the tenth vocal on the record and he he said I love you and I said Jason wait stop and got him to press the talk back button I said Chris dude you can't say I love you as much as you're saying it and it still will retain any kind of meaning it was like every song was like, cause I love you, love, 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 love. Got so much love in my heart for you, girl. Love, 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 love. I love, love. <laughs> and I love, love. That's yeah, perfect. Yeah, I mean, it was so crazy. But he was writing it for his soon-to-be wife, and he was totally head over heels in love, and that's a beautiful thing. It's just I was pointing out that maybe it would hold a little more power if it wasn't, you know, I don't, I'm married. I don't tell my wife I love her every day. It would be less meaningful, I think, in some ways. Some people make the argument that's not true, but it is for me anyway. I don't know. It just doesn't feel as powerful. If I say it every once in a while, too, it's like it's at a moment where it really needs to be said. But it was super funny because he he was like, okay. But then he just kept, you know, you know, he, he had his vision. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying anything negative. I'm just saying that Often when you make a record with a band when they're younger, they're more receptive to your ideas. And not such assholes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not saying anything negative. I'm just saying those guys are assholes. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. Chris is a great guy.
Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to Weekly Punk Rock Radio Show Rocket from Russia, CITR, and we just heard two songs. Uh, the one was by the Atari's. The last song was um, called Send Him as High School Football Rooms from uh, their album Blue Skies, Broken Hearts, Next 12 Exits. And before that, we heard the demo version of uh, Neff Herder's songs uh, called 5,000 Ways to Die. Uh, sorry, 5,000 Ways to Die. And that was from Retrospective, an anthology compilation, but Fairtrack. Alright, let's keep moving. I still have two parts of the interview and I'm almost running out of time. In the next part, me and uh, Joey discuss the upcoming brand new album by Lagwagon, which is called Hang and comes out on October 28th on Fatra Quartz. Uh, let's check it out. Super exciting new album by Lagwagon and this is Joey uh, telling the story of this album. I'm a huge Lagwagon fan and... Uh... I'd like to talk a little bit about The Hang, which is coming out on October 28th on Fat Records, which is going to be an amazing record. Um, last time we talked was a couple of years ago, and you kind of prepared me that there will be a little bit of metal sound to the record. You, yeah. re- you released the first uh, uh, single or song, The Cog and the Machine. Is the whole album going to be like that? Is it the whole... Like, the Is whole... it that metal? Yes. No. No, it's not. But there's a lot of stuff like that on the album. I mean more than half of the album is very much riffy and and that kind of stuff um but there's definitely some you know pop melodies here and there and there's there's maybe one actual like pop song on the record it's just not uh it's just much more in tune with what my band should be doing and what we are and you know we we really got to the core of who we are on this record I'm most happy with this record than any record we've ever made. And everyone in the band feels that way about it. It's very nice. We really are proud of it. It's cool. I listened to this interview, which was, I believe, from 2011. You talked from someone in, in Europe. And you said that you're not even sure, as a songwriter, as a Lagwagon member, what now Lagwagon sounds like. And in my mind, I went back to your old records, and I identified, like, every record sounds different. Yeah, probably. Like, Resolve is different from, I don't know, let's talk about feelings. All those records are different, and that's when you told me that this new record will be a little bit of metal record, like, has some metal feel. I was like, that's okay in, like, Wagon discography, because every record sounds a little bit different. Yeah. Well, and... You know, I, I, I'd like to remind people that our band has always had metal. I mean, we come from metal. We, we come from old school metal, not the funky, crappy stuff that came around in the 90s. But, you know, we, we kind of come from old school bands like Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden and those bands. We love those bands. We also love punk rock. That's the sound of my band is this collection of those things because... It's not as derivative as it is just osmosis, you know? It's literally just, that's what the guys in my band grew up listening to, and myself as well, and so that's the kind of music that comes out of us naturally, you know? So I don't really think that it's, it's, it's never a departure from who we really are at the time. You know, this is the thing that, that's the big secret, that people that don't write music and don't, they don't understand it's not calculated there are certainly bands that make calculated music I think they're all over Top 40 Radio and but most bands that I know and most songwriters I know if they want to get something from their heart they just let it come out and it just becomes whatever it is and when you're in a band that's even a bigger uh, math equation because that's not the right word it's, it's a bigger uh, it's more complex, you know. There's more people that are involved that need to be happy and need to be getting, putting in what they put in naturally. I think that this is the first time that we've ever done a record where I didn't come to the table with every song completely arranged, everything completely, you know, in its almost final state. This time around. There was a, it was a much bigger collaboration than it's ever been. Uh, I came with the songs pretty early on, and 
there was a lot of discussion in the band and a lot of things little things are written on that record by other guys in the band as well there's a lot of little riffs and parts that I, I love that I love that and, we, and you know I'm I'm sort of the 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 uh, the, the coordinator, yeah, I, I'm I'm that guy, but but we really there's a lot of collaboration on that record, and everybody in the band. By the time we we worked, I wrote for like two years for that record, and just only wrote for that record for two years. And by the time the band got the songs, we spent probably the better half of a year demo taping and making demos when we finished all the demos and got them exactly as we wanted them all we did was took them in the studio and replaced the sound we just redid the demo same tempos everything we just wanted to keep exactly what we were, had done together and I think it, you can hear it it's just it's. I really like it a lot I don't know if anybody else is but kind of love it but it, it doesn't matter I'm so happy with it you know what I mean it's cool I do too, actually. <laughs> but who knows? There's going to be people. There's always people that, that have things.
Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to CITR Rocket from Russia. I'm almost done here. Uh, all out of Soul Sandwich coming up right after that, but he was kind enough to let me borrow um, 10 minutes of his show so I can finish up and play you the last final part of our conversation with Joey Cape and Chris Cresswell. Um, here it is. Uh, I'll be really quick. Uh, yeah, that's the final part where Joey talks a little bit about the future plans of his uh, record label. Hank uh, comes out very, very soon of, um, in the end of October and then November 13th you're playing with Swingin' Others in uh, Vancouver at the Rickshaw here again. You recorded to uh, one-week records with Chris, Brian Wallstrom, Joe jo Bergeron, Betty and the Boy and Laura Merton from Australia. Yeah. Uh, are there any other friends of Joe Cape coming to your place to record some music for one week? Uh, well, I, I, I've yet to ask, but there's a guy... I just keep looking, you know, when we play shows. And the other night we played in Green Bay with a guy named Walt Hamburger. But it's obviously not his real name. I know his name's Walt. That part I believe, unless he's just a huge uh, Breaking Bad fan. Uh, um, but yeah, Walt, whatever his last name is, uh, I, I plan to talk to him about because Lagwagon is about to just turn around and do this tour backwards, you know? So I'll see him uh, then, and if not, I'll, maybe I'll talk to him sooner. But he, was, he gave he was, so great. he was so good, and he gave us this CD of him just playing the songs for you know just so just if you guys want this. He didn't even ask me about one week records, although it turns out I think he kind of knew about it because he said something to Brian maybe. I th- I, yeah, I think he was aware of it. I think well, a lot of people are aware of it, but I mean, it's it's got to be something that's kind of awkward for them to bring up to you being like hey can I do one because it's, 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 it's yeah, yeah. Can, I, can I come too you know like it's for you to decide on it's your it's your kind of to me I look at it you as you kind of hand picking people you want to work with I mean you're the engineer yeah, and the yeah. producer you don't want to work with do. someone yeah, that you don't enjoy their music yeah exactly that's exactly it I mean you have to if, the, the biggest prerequisite to being able to record anybody is being able to feel their songs you know if if you if I were a producer for a living, I would have to do lots of records with bands and people that I didn't really love the music. And I don't think that you do such a great job when you do that. But anyway, I really it's like, really, yeah, yeah. And you become an engineer, which is something completely different. I mean, it's that's that's a little mathy for me. I like the art side of things. I would rather experiment than worry too much about sound, although sound has to be good. But um, Anyway, the Walt, back to Walt, he's, he's great. He's, his songs are excellent. And uh, I think if I could work with him a little bit, we could make a really nice one. So we'll see. And then there's a couple other people, but, you know. Laura's record's coming up sometime before the end of the year, is that right? Or is that not, not true yet? Yeah. <laughs> Her record's great, man. Her record's really great. Yeah, I love it. I just record. listened to uh, what she has on Bandcamp. Yeah. Oh, she's got almost all the songs that are on the record on Bandcamp. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I need to talk to her about it. Yeah. And so free downloads. So you can like I download everything. Yeah. Two releases and one new song from. It's kind of a bummer. Uh, she doesn't understand. You know, right. I, I just have to say to her, maybe we can pull those down. You know, before we release it at least. You know, because they're really not nearly as refined as the versions that we did because we did a lot of pre-production for her and, and a lot of her songs changed a lot but um, but all for the better for her I think you know she's she's very new but she's one of those people that just has this innate talent it's it's just, rare where she played a song at the first show on this tour in San Francisco uh-huh. and I just met her the day before and like Joey showed me some of the songs and it was really 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 great but it's just you watch her play and it's just like there's no effort at all you know what I mean like it just it just it looks out to be it's just actually. what she was born to do is play and sing and just be a musician yeah it's it's I, I love seeing that when you just watch someone like oh my fucking god this is what you're supposed to be doing you know what I mean like don't do anything else just do this just do this because this is what you're supposed to do yeah yeah she's one of those for sure she's great thank you so much hey man great questions really pleasant interview thank you thank you that was nice that was refreshing thanks man thank you 
Hello, hello, hello! That was my interview with Joey Cape from Lockwagon and Chris Craswell of the Flatliners, and that was the episode number 100 of Rocket from Russia. Thank you so much for your uh, congratulations, or how you say that, uh, when you wish me or congratulate me on the uh, anniversary. Thanks to everyone, thanks for everyone to listen. Uh, Soul Sandwich is coming up very, very soon with legendary Ola. Uh, uh, if you like what you heard, you can check out the podcast on citr.ca. I have a blog, uh, rocketfromrussia.tumblr.com, uh, facebook.com slash rocketfromrussia. You can find all those episodes there. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and thanks so much for all the uh, nice messages. Have a wonderful, wonderful long weekend, and um, I will be back next Thursday. That's something else, which will be super interesting again as well. And I'd like, obviously, to finish a song uh, by Tony Sly. Uh, it's an internet National U Day. Joey K performed it at the show, and uh, I will play you the version which he did uh, for the tribute of Tony Sly. Uh, this is Joey Cape, International U Day. Uh, no use for a name cover. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much again for all your messages. Great success. Uh, have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you next week. Bye bye. I'm sorry that it took so long to. Uh-huh.